Hello and welcome to Terrifying Robot Dog. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. And we're here to talk about how technology is changing the way we interact with the world. This week, the scariest episode ever. Get ready for some DNA sequencing weirdness. Please stay tuned. Terrifying Robot Dog is next. This is so much fun. This is going to be so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of meta. We could just say, hey, kind everybody, of. just go watch this YouTube watch video. This. Yeah, we could just say, go watch this other, go listen to this other podcast. <laughs> yeah, but hey, we can still speculate. We can still imagine. Um, so yeah, t- can you, I-, I have never heard of this before, the, the show at all. So maybe you could kind of walk us into it. Yeah, I'm a, a fairly regular listener of the test of Adam Savage's podcast on tested.com, the still untitled podcast. And he occasionally has, there's, there's him and two or three other regulars, but he occasionally also has special guests on that are just, uh, friends of his from what I gather <laughs> that do interesting things. And, um, his his guest last week was a gentleman by the name of Joe DeRisi, who works as, he's a, I guess he's a biochemist. Chemist? Molecular biologist. Yeah, molecular, okay, molecular biologist. And he works in an infectious disease lab in San Francisco. And it was entertaining and fascinating and and brought up some interesting things that I thought would be kind of fun to talk about here, too. Yeah, big time. So the... The ba- I guess the basic overview, or the way the way that I, if I was going to describe the episode to someone, I would say it's it's an interview with a guy who his sort of mantra he brought it up several times was, you know, why guess when you can just use the data, you know? So yeah, at, at medical diagnoses, so he's like like hypothesis free diagnoses. I was like, huh, that's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. How does that work? I'm saying to myself, and apparently DNA sequencing has gotten so cheap. Compared to other medical procedures, it's like a thousand bucks, let's say. It's like the cost of pretty much all other lab work. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like a blood test. Yeah. So well, I guess it is. Well, I don't know if it's. Yes, we'll get into that. But anyway, it's 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 not a prohibitively expensive and you know in terms of medical stuff. And okay, right off the bat, so the the premise is like they you know maybe take out. Uh, he kept on talking about taking out spinal cord fluid. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's always what they do. Uh, no, I think it was just, I think that was just the most relative to the types of things that they were studying. Oh, or, right. Or cause it was, yeah, because it was a lot of meningitis brain stuff. Yeah, a lot of neurological stuff. Right. So you see a number of stories where someone came in with symptoms and people were like, oh, maybe it's TB or maybe it's this, maybe it's that. I don't know. Let's try this stuff. And spending hundreds of thousands of dollars trying stuff that was absolutely not the cure or even helping with the symptoms in many cases. Well, the patient continued to slowly get worse. Right. And these were like really bad brain-eating type diseases. So it was it was pretty dramatic. The stories were pretty dramatic. And the guy was hilariously off the cuff about it. <laughs> so obviously yes, we lost there was the patient. Also a very, there was also a very interesting tale involving snakes. Yes, we can definitely get yes. into that. But the premise but. kind of is like, he's like, why, what, you know, we're guessing like, like most, a lot, maybe most, I don't know, lots of stuff. People are like, oh, that's definitely this. Go take these pills or rub this cream on it and you'll be good to go. But yeah. when, when it's not obvious, don't guess, send us a blood sample. We'll, we'll tell you. And so now here's yeah. the, the first thing that totally freaked me out mm-hmm. was that when they take Let's just say it's a blood sample, some fluid out of your body. They get a DNA sample from you. Okay. 
he's like, we need to separate the human from the non-human. The first step one is separate the human from the non-human. I'm like, wait a minute. Like your DNA strands can't contain non-human. Like, is he talking about like there's non-human stuff on your DNA strands? And it took me like a full minute to realize, oh, you're full of organisms that have their own DNA. Mm -hmm. Separating the DNA types. Oh, so grossed out by that. Yeah. It never even occurred yeah. to me that like other DNA was floating around. Of course, it makes sense, but it never occurred to me at all. Uh, it's probably a good majority of your, yeah. Right. Yeah. Depending on, well, in some of these people's cases, it sounded like the, the <laughs> it was the majority majority yeah. of their body, yeah. or at least their brain was full of worms or whatever. Yeah. So I, I was like, whoa, that was a huge eye opener for me. So it was like, all right, the, the yes. plan is. They take a sample, they find all, they sequence all the DNA that they get. From that sample. Mm-hmm. And they're they like, throw okay. out the human bits. Yep, these are the human bits. Well, what do we have left? And in all of the cases they brought up, of course, because these were like the success cases, all the leftover DNA all pointed to like one thing. Mm -hmm. And it would be, you know, and from that one thing, they're like, oh, well. We could just use this, uh, you know, like one case was like anti-herpetic or, you know, whatever. They, he's like, oh, well, if that's this, then we could probably treat it with that. Um, I was just, I was just totally, it was like, it was like, oh, it was like process elimination. <laughs> Sounds so much easier. Yeah, it does sound so much easier. And um, about this time last year, I contracted a mystery disease. <laughs> right. <laughs> and by the time it was all over, it was... Five months of just horrible, uncomfortable suffering and many hundreds of dollars spent on guesses that were wrong. Mm. Like mm. I could have I could have paid a thousand bucks to have something genetically sequenced and not been out any more money if I'd paid the whole thing out of pocket. Yeah. Happily, I'm sure. Yeah, happily, yeah. Yeah. It's wild. So they were talking about it and they're like and you're like, I was I mean if you listen to it, you're like, I want I, I want to be do that now. Can I do that now, please? Yeah. Like, just sequence yeah. <laughs> me. I'm curious. Right. <laughs> and I've done the like 23andMe thing and they've talked about, they talked about it on the show and he was, he wasn't dismissive of it, but he wasn't like, he, it seemed to me that he was being pretty careful to like kind of step around it, step around yeah, the question. It, yeah. It was kind of like, well, you may not get much information back that's personally useful to you, but it's adding to the data pool that we all have to draw from. Right. And, the, and he was like, oh, the ancestry is kind of interesting, but it was clear that mm -hmm. it was clear that he, he wasn't saying something like, yeah, just send your drool into 23, 23 and me and they'll be able to tell you if you have meningitis or worms in your eye or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 intent is not to give you a, some kind of medical diagnosis. So, right. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. They ignore all the non-human DNA. I'm sure they're they're just looking at. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I, I, I just thought it was like totally amazing. And, and they're talking about, you know, they, it was sort of around Halloween. This is, this episode's around Halloween. And they were talking about how it was the scariest episode ever because they kept on talking about, I mean, oh, one thing after another, it was like terrifying. Yeah. It just kept getting worse and worse. Right. Like how is everyone not dying every minute? Yeah. Like, why is not everyone in the hospital? It's like, oh, yeah, if you swim in warm lakes down south, an amoeba will go up your nose and you'll have meningitis and be dead in three days. I was like, what? Yeah. You get a brain-eating amoeba. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't respond to any normal treatments because it's not, it's not a virus. It's not a... It's not a virus. It's not a fungus. It's not a bacteria. Yeah. 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 And, um, you know, I remember going out as a kid and, like, going, catching, getting samples from rain puddles and looking it under a microscope and seeing the amoebas crawling around. Like, oh... 
one of those could have killed me. Yeah. <laughs> it's really don't, weird to think about. Don't pick your nose after that one. Oh, uh, yeah. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. It was, um, it was not, a, not a good episode for a germaphobe to listen to. No. No. But it was fascinating. And, uh, yeah, but one of, one of the programs he is involved with is this program called IDSeq. Mm-hmm. which is IDSEQ. And it's a it's an open source platform to make this uh, genetic sequencing more readily available just, just everywhere to who you know whatever medical facility wants it. And they have grants for um I think they said they have grants through the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation for like uh, third world countries and, and things like that to get this material. Yes. But I mean, you know I guess it's open source that anybody can Go out and spend the money on a DNA sequencer, and then download this um, Rails application, mm. and fire it up, and and feed data into this, and do all the analysis. Because one of the things he talked about, which I thought was interesting, and it makes total sense, but I hadn't thought about it, is that as the the sequencing becomes cheaper, then the analysis gets more and more expensive because there's just so much more data. Right. Like the more stuff we know, the more data there is to filter through. So they're talking about, you know, he's I think he said his lab had something like what. 900 cores or computers or something like that uh, worth of computer it was it was massive but i mean they're they're this idc initiative is, is to get all of this data into the cloud and uh, do cloud computing to make it uh, more affordable and accessible and i just thought that was it's it's weird because yeah it's getting cheaper to sequence but the analysis is getting a lot more involved and a lot more expensive mm. Yeah. So and one of the things he was, his vision was to have like a kind of like a threat detection, early warning system for like mm-hmm. stuff. So like virus stuff or like, you know, yeah. biological dangers, which you know is like a wet, like going to a weather, like just a satellite view of the weather or like what's that internet, uh, internet attack thing that you. Oh yeah. I haven't been able to get to that in forever, but yeah, the, the Norse attack map. Right. And yeah, to be able to have a couple a, others too. Essentially a real time view into like, let's see, it would need to be, obviously it needs to be stuff that yeah, they're not just going to be sequ- sequencing every person that walks on the street. It would be some be people right. who are like coming in for some kind of medical treatment. Uh, and you know, they, they get used SARS as, as an example and, um, uh, something from the e- Ebola family, although I don't remember the name of it, but it was. Yeah, it was a. Di- it, I don't think it was directly related to Ebola, but it was a different strain of hemorrhagic fever. Yes, he exactly. Said that he said, I don't remember the name, um, but he said it's responsible for way more deaths yearly than Ebola. It's right. A, actually, a much bigger problem. It just Ebola is, is just gets the the cool name and all the press and has become the, the sort of poster child for hemorrhagic fevers. Yeah, the other one has a marketing problem. Yeah. But he he was like talking about how, you know, you'd be able to, as people were coming in, <clears throat> all of these misdiagnosed or undiagnosed diseases, they might have been around for a long time, but they've just never, it might not be new. It probably isn't new. Right. And right. And he was talking about going into like, like the Congo and sequencing kids and finding like four or five new things right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Right. What did he, what did he call that? It was like a, a high biodiversity. So if you go any place with a yeah. high biodiversity you're bound to find stuff that nobody's ever found because it's just never because like you know like one of the things especially with these really scary ones is the host dies so fast that it's like well why spend money to you know at this point you know it's like too late Mm -hmm. we're not going to figure out what it was we didn't have the tools to figure out what it was in the first place so not only does it give you like uh potentially a course of treatment which would be amazing 
but this like it's like this threat de- detection system where you would know if stuff was you know you'd know where stuff was bubbling right yeah you could you could look at the map and see like okay where's where's SARS this week and where's Ebola this week and right yeah and w- one of the other things he talked about being able to use it for was like for instance he used Ebola as an example they don't know what the original carrier for that virus is and right like, i think he called it the reservoir yep which is which is like the host where all the virus grows but the host is immune to it and it doesn't kill it yep like a and carrier so he talk- yeah yeah like the carrier and so he talked about being able to use this and along with their genetic testing there in the lab to sort of to you know narrow that down and, and find out like okay track these things back to their source so they can better be contained and dealt with and 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 just stop them at their source mm-hmm yeah, and he he seemed to be coming to the conclusion that it might be snakes, <laughs> mm-hmm. <Yeah. laughs> which were talked about at length. Yes, and and very amusing. Uh, the the snakes was the snake was the least scary story, but it was also one of the it was it was the most lighthearted and fun story. Yeah, it's most entertaining for yeah. sure. Yeah, they they got scary from there. <laughs> yeah, so if, like, if you consider like you know these giant boa constrictors to be the safe fun part of the story. <laughs> Yeah, obviously we'll link to it in the show. It's super fun to watch. I mean, I could have I could have listened to these guys talk all night long. It was so cool. Yeah, and that podcast is normally about twenty five minutes, and I looked at that and I saw it was an hour. I was like, wow, okay. I hope this guest is good. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was like the most entertaining thing I've listened to in a very long time. Yeah. So now think about how cool this is. Like, if you so like we've got a bunch of tech angles here, right? We've got open mm-hmm. source. Mm-hmm. and cloud computing and genetic sequencing. And I, I just, I think that's so cool. Like there'd be no, yeah. at no time previously would this even be feasible at all. And it seems to hold like a crazy amount of promise. Yeah, it does. It does. And it's just, it's it's wild to think about all of, like you said, there's there's so many different technologies that are coming together on it. And it's just, we're, we're at a point like this to me seems like an area that's ripe for some good AI to do that analysis. Yep. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. Cool. I had a, I don't know. If, do we have more to say about this? Cause I've got an interesting AI segue that would be a little, little bit of a side conversation. Uh, no, I don't, I don't have a whole lot more to say about it. I just think it's, I just think it's fascinating. And the, the, the podcast itself was entertaining, but I think the idea was fascinating. That there was some really interesting technical angles there. Yeah, it was like as scary as it was. It was very it was sort of like a relief in a sense. It was like, oh man, cool. We can do this now. Yeah, <laughs> Data. we don't have to guess. Yeah, so yeah it's, and it's something I really hope it becomes. You know, more. I'm sure over time it's just going to become more and more common. Yeah. And I would have I would have paid probably two thousand dollars to be able to do it this time last year. No kidding. <laughs> do you think? Did you look at the Rails app at all? Uh, I didn't get a chance to. Um, I I got so much busy with stuff. I downloaded it. I I ran Bundler and installed the gyms. <laughs> I haven't had a chance to fire it up yet. <laughs> I'm curious, like like wh- how do you input the data? Like, is there a yeah. USB dongle that you lick or something? <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, it was in it was installing AWS gems for about 20 minutes. There yeah. are so many of them. Yeah. It's definitely taking advantage of of uh, uh, Amazon's cloud. Mm, that is cool. Yeah. So you mentioned AI and I heard, um, a, a, another podcast recently. This is like the podcast about podcasts today. Yeah. Podcasts but, all the way down. Yeah. And, and I went and I looked and looked and I cannot find the thing. 
I don't know where I listened to it. I think I listened to it on like, like the kid's computer or something. I cannot find it. Um, it was an economics podcast where <clears throat> this econ guy was interviewing an AI researcher. And this was a, an older person who had been do, working in the uh, artificial intelligence field for like 40 years. So he had experience back into the seventies and he was, he was refuting the sort of Elon Musk, uh, Nick Bostrom, Stephen Hawking, you know, superhuman intelligence. If, if, if we are not, unless we're exceptionally lucky, not even careful, but like lucky, they're just going to, you know, accidentally wipe out our civilization. <laughs> right. <clears throat> you know, I, I saw it. Musk interviewed recently, very recently, he said, uh, you know, he was like, this is, this way bigger threat than nuclear, uh, like nuclear warfare. And I was like, yeah, you know what? And it's easy to get there. It's easy to be, it's easy to imagine, you know, and a super intelligence kind of inhabiting the machine and being smart enough mm -hmm. to trick us. As soon as they're smart enough to trick us, it doesn't matter if there's an air gap or anything else. So theoretically, that's the case. And, you know, like, uh, uh, what was that called? Ex Machina? Yeah. Or whatever. It doesn't even need to be, like, you know, ambulatory. And, okay, it's really easy to get there, but it's really, it's basically sci-fi. And this researcher was like, he's just sort of shaking his head. And he's like, he's like, they're making a faith-based argument. It's like a conspiracy theory. I can't prove it's not going to happen, but I've been doing this for 40 years. and. Right. It, like, this is a guy who kind of wishes it would happen. Right. And he's like, everybody who says that hasn't been working in AI for 40 years. And they'll, and he's like, and I can't even talk to them because their argument is faith based. So as soon as I give them any kind of evidence, they're like, yeah, but you're, you're wrong in this case. It's, this is different. And he would be like, well, why is it, you know, this is a scientist. So right. he's like, <laughs> right. He's right. like, well, you're making an incredible claim. So where's your, what's your basis? And they're like thought experiments. And it's like, okay. He's like, I'm telling you that this is, you know, if this ever happens, it'll be decades and decades and decades away. And it's not going to happen fast. It's not going to be this like hockey stick overnight, you know, Skynet, the machines become intelligence. And yeah, suddenly they're smarter than us and ruling our, our, you know, our new overlords. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it was, it was, uh, you know, he's like saying, he's like saying, it's like arguing that Martians aren't going to arrive. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, how, <laughs> how am I going to argue? You know, you can't, you can't prove a negative. It's like, I, I can't say it's, I can't prove that it's not going to happen. Right. And so he said something really funny about Nick Bostrom, which I did not know, but I do believe he was like, they're like, well, what about, you know, Nick Bostrom? He's, I don't know if you've, I presume everybody's heard of him. Um, he's sort of a, sort of a philosopher type. And they were like, well, what about what, you know, Nick Bostrom says about this? And he's like, let's back up for a second on Nick Bostrom. He's not particularly interested in AI. He thinks everything's going to destroy the human race. He's like, he, <laughs> he thinks video games are going to destroy the human race. He thinks DNA sequences are going to destroy the human race. It's what he does. It's his angle. He thinks everything is going to destroy the human race. And that's how he makes himself, you know, and that's, then that gets press. So that's what he talks about, whether it's part of his personality or it's a calculated decision on his part. That's his shtick. Yeah. So he could all be marketing. Right. Which is sort of an ad hominem attack, but it is true that none of them have any kind of like, you know, how do you, they're just like, like, ma yeah, you know, like magical if the shoe predictions. Fits. Right. Yeah. 
And it was funny because I was thinking about, I was thinking about, um, one of Elon Musk's other very well-known thought experiments that we, the odds of us being in base reality are basically zero, you know, like, like how could we possibly be in base reality? And I was, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking about it and I was like, yeah, he's got kind of a, like from a thought experiment from like a stoner standpoint, <laughs> right? There's like an argument there, I suppose. But at the same time, it's like, it's more like a uh, conspiracy theory. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And you know, how could we, you know, if he, if he, if someone says to you, like, how could we not be, how, how could we possibly be living in base reality? Be like, well, because there's no evidence to the contrary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How could I know yeah, like that into- gravity's not going to reverse itself tomorrow? Well, because <laughs> it, it never has. Doesn't do that. Maybe yeah. it'll happen, but the odds seem kind of low. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, interesting, interesting thought experiments, but then you have to go, mm. yeah, it's, it's, and it's, I don't know, it's weird because there, it's a lot of mixing of, of science and philosophy because they're talking about a lot of really scientific things, but they're not approaching them in scientific ways. Right. So it has the veneer of science, mm-hmm. a.k.a. pseudoscience, which speaking of podcast about podcasts, my good friend Brian Dunning has a podcast, very popular, called Skeptoid, which, uh, he, you know, I haven't looked. I'll bet you he has an episode on this. Because he, the, the whole idea of the episode is to sort of investigate the scientific underpinnings of pop phenomena and like whether or not okay. there's any scientific basis for the popular belief, you know, like, um, GMO, you know, big pharma, GMO right. food, anti-vaxxers, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Right. And he gets into it and you, you know, usually he's deep. He doesn't debunk things, but he's just like, look, there's no evidence to support any (laughs) of these claims. So buyer beware, you know, vitamin water. Okay. Maybe, but, (laughs) uh, so I I wonder, not going to hurt you probably, but you're still wasting your money. (laughs) Right. And, and you could be, um, he, you know, he, he, that's that's actually a very good show for people who are scientifically minded to check out, to check it out. Mm. Yep. It's fun. So that, that reminded me of, um, something for, back from the Adam Savage, uh, uh, talk. <clears throat> Many times in the show, the guest was named Jim, Joe. Joe. Joe DeRisi. Yeah. Yep. Many times he, he mentioned that he had been approached on a number of occasions by science fiction authors to kind of, uh, not fact check, but, you know, like, like to have this sort of grain of authenticity, like hard science type mm-hmm. stuff. And, um, and it came up because Adam Savage asked about, uh, you know, do you, are you nervous about like the permafrost melting and some virus from 20 million years ago, um, coming out of the ice Suddenly caps? Falling and, and, yeah. Yeah. And it's funny cause I just watched the original Jurassic Park cause I was on like an old movie tear over the weekend folding mm-hmm. laundry. Mm-hmm. And he was like, eh, well, you know, it could happen, but you know, all of the organisms that were around 20 million years ago are gone pretty much. So the odds of that have to mutate for a while first. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, I'm much more scared about these snake breeders that are black market snake breeders that are are creating pythons that are like orange or what, you know, Mm -hmm. like non-standard python colors. And they've (laughs) got all these different. I don't know know what the standard python colors are. (laughs) I assumed green, but I don't know. And that they're, they're like, they've got, they'll have like 10,000 snakes in this like basement, you know, and they're like crossbreeding them like crazy. He's like, that scares me way more than the polar ice caps melting. Yeah. So funny. Yeah. And he said, if, you know, they always come to him and they're talking about, oh, 
some scientist in a lab is creating some virus and then it gets out somehow and, and infects the world and everyone dies. And it's like, he's like, why does it always have, why does the scientist always have to be the bad guys? Like, yeah. They're the ones over here being careful and, and trying to solve problems. It's like the scary stuff is what happens in nature. <laughs> yeah. He was talking about like, you, you want to see some evil, pure evil? Look at an Ebola virus. It's scary right. looking. <laughs> oh man. It was, it's really, really is cool. It is cool to talk about. <clears throat> Yeah, but I mean, after after listening to that, and and especially the stories he talked about with the the human patients, you can really start to see the benefit of where just being able to, like he said, stop making guesses and just just look at the data. Yep. It, which sa- it sounds so simple. Sequence the shiznit out of it. <laughs> yeah. 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 What did you think about the whole? There's like a there's like a tangent about eyes. Do you mm-hmm. remember that? He was talking about like the eye is a is like a um, sort of a DMZ sort of, for has different for the rules. immune system. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The eye has the eye is sort of sort of kind of isolated from the immune system because I mean you can't have these. It's white blood cells would be if right. Had, well, it's yeah. it's not like it's 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 not that the eye is non-vascular. You have blood cells and what have you, and, and veins and what have you, but they're typically like on the retina or around the eye. The vitreous flu, vitreous fluid is non-vascular. Mm. So, yeah, and he was talking about a, a case of, like, a guy in, had gotten rubella in Germany in, like, 92, and it had just kind of grown and, and reproduced in their inside of his eyeball for 20 years, even after he'd been vaccinated for it when moving yeah. to the U.S. Eating his iris. Yeah. If Yeah, if you, dear listener, if your um, irises are changing color, go to the doctor. <laughs> yeah. Immediately. Like, do not pass go, do not collect $200, run, don't walk. Your eyes aren't supposed to change color. No. If they're changing color, it's because a worm is eating them or whatever. (laughs) So nasty. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I have a a parasite phobia. Who doesn't? Does not help. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> that's okay. a good point. I'd be really <laughs> a little a little concerned if someone didn't have. But yeah. Oh, I collect. I like them. Got like a got like a collection. A collection, yeah. Mm. Take them out and oh, play God. with them. I can't even get them. I'd gross myself oh. out. Knock on yeah, wood. Just, uh, yeah. I'm just getting over the plague from like the, we took the kids to a trampoline birthday party a couple oh, of weeks geez. ago. We've been like sick ever like since. Germs bouncing around everywhere. <clears throat> yeah. Like, can I take a bath in the that hand sanitizer stuff? Right, right. So, <laughs> well, dear listener, I, it, it might seem like we spoiled the entire episode, but I promise you we didn't because no. it is to- like even the delivery alone is totally entertaining. And we didn't even really talk about the snakes part, which is completely it's like, like half the episode. It's, riveting. And it's great. Yeah. Super fascinating. If you're a Rails developer with a tongue depressor USB dongle, <laughs> you might want to check out the, uh, is it, it's IDSEQ dot, is it org? Um, I, I think it might be net. net. Let me check real quick. Yeah. I think it's a dot net. Uh, and it appears to be. I it think, is dot net. Cool. IDSEQ, IDSEQ sequence. Yes. Dot and net. The, code, the code is on GitHub. How cool is that? And I guess it's, I mean, it's called Chan Zuckerberg Institution or something. I guess it's mm-hmm. like, is that, I think that's his wife, Zuckerberg's wife. I think wife. so, yeah. 
So very interesting. Super cool. I'm sure Facebook just wants all our DNA, which is probably... Uh, That did give me a moment's pause. (laughs) Right. Could it have been somebody else? Yeah. (laughs) The Bill and Melinda Gates thing made me kind of... I was like, okay, I I don't know why I trust them. It's just another one of the Silicon Valley players, but they they seem to... Bill's retired from tech and they have a long history of doing good things, so... Yeah. Yeah. So check it out. I, I think that's super cool. I, I this is a I think a great mess. Speaking of spreading stuff, <laughs> this like this idea of you know like a tough diagnosis that someone's really suffering from and they're just not getting any any um, relief from the treatment. Mm-hmm. Man, mm-hmm. it seems like a bargain. It's just get yeah. sequenced. Been there, done that. Not fun. Yeah, exactly. Cool. All right, should yes. we uh, wrap it up there? Uh, yeah, let's. Seems like a good place. All right. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. I'm Kelly Shaver. And we hope you join us again next time for Terrifying Robot Dog. Bye. Bye. Bye.